Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Show number 12. What do you think about that? Yeah, we made it that far. Welcome, everybody, to Dirty Kurt's Dugout. Aptly named because I've spent time in a major league dugout with today's guest, Jack McKeon. I want to thank our title sponsor, Hacienda Casablanca, out in El Cajon, California, who did, from what I understand, the people that went out there and ate Thanksgiving dinner, uh, chose between a traditional Thanksgiving dinner or pork loin, just said that it was awesome. So Cindy and Tony, great job as usual. And then anybody that wanted regular menu just ordered it after two. It was great. We've got a new segment. Did you see or hear that? Keep that in mind. It's brought to you by Davis Eye Center and treatment specialist. If you need eye care, whether it be cataracts, Lasix, glaucoma, anything, that has to do, especially cornea procedures. That's what I just had. You got to go see Dr. Davies up at Davies Eye Center. They're awesome. And it's also brought to you by Lysima Oil Company. And that's where the little trick comes in because you have to listen or hear something or see something that we're going to pick out over the course of a month. So you have to listen to three or four shows in a row. The question will be asked. If you're the first one to come up with the answer, you're going to win a $100 gift card from the good folks at Lasima Chevron Texaco. How's that? There are benefits to watching Dirty Kurtz Dugout. Well, this guy just celebrated. We, you know, we're going to get to all the baseball stuff in a minute, uh, but we, we're not going to keep uh, one of my favorite people in the game waiting any longer. Uh, Trader Jack just celebrated his 91st birthday, in which I gave him a call because Josh Beckett and I were together on a golf course a couple of weeks ago, and we both tried to give Jack a call, but he didn't pick up. How about eight decades in baseball, or maybe nine? I'm going to check with Jack in a minute. Um, his first year of pro ball was in the summer of 49. That sounds like the title of a book, the summer of 49. He broke into the big leagues on April 6, 1973. And guess who was right next to him in the dugout then as he is today? Yes, it was me. And he hasn't slowed down since that day. We'll get back to Jack's rookie season in a minute, but let's welcome one of my favorite people in the game, Jack 
Aloysius McKeon. Jack, how the heck are you? Great, sir. Good to have a chance to visit with you. And all the good fans in San Diego. And I know that your podcast is probably a uh, number one uh, in the area there. Well, it is now. It is now with you on. So are you, <laughs> are you actually, are you still working for the Nationals right Absolutely. now? Yeah. You're not. Yes, sir. I'm not. You retired. are. I'm, I'm not. Who's going to retire? Who's going to retire? Hell, I'm too young to retire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, you know, I was looking back, trying to coordinate some questions for you. And I I noticed before you got hired um, by the Marlins in 03 and then led them to the World Series championship, you were you out of the game in 01 and 02? Or were you working for somebody, but just it wasn't an on-field uh, job? No, I was basically out of out of out of out of work at that those years. I probably did a little, you know, scout with my uh, son or grandson, but basically I was uh, kind of figured I'd retire. In fact, in fact, when uh, when Jim Bowden called me. And wanted me to go to work. And I said, ah, give me, call me back in a couple of weeks. And he called again and said, ah, call me back in another one. And finally, my wife said to me, you want to work or not? If you don't want to work, tell the guy. So I finally took the job and ended up, you know, still working. So that was the Miami Marlin managerial job in which you replaced Jeff Torborg, uh, who had a, kind of on, a, on and off relationship with them for the prior couple of years, but the Marlins just weren't playing very well underneath him. And and all of a sudden things turned around when you took that ball club over. Um, the rumors are out there as to why they're all good, by the way, but why, what do you think it was that kind of spurred the ball club on when you walked into the clubhouse and said, I'm here now. We're going to win. I believe in you guys. Well, the big thing is, you know, was, uh, <laughs> you talk about when I walked in the clubhouse, nobody knew, nobody knew who the hell I was, you know, at, at that time, you know, and I walked, who's this guy? I remember Derek Lee asking somebody, who's he? He's such a new manager. But anyway, the biggest thing was, I, I think because of my experience taking over different clubs in the past, it made it easier for me. But basically, I had an opportunity to see this club play in 2000 when I was managing the Reds. And I said to Don Gullett, my pitching coach one day, I said, God, wouldn't I like to manage that club over there? They got so much talent, but they're in second gear. Nobody, no, they, need, they need to step up a level. They're in neutral. And then when I got the job, the first thing I did went to the clubhouse. They thought I was crazy. I told the guys, I said, boys, I'll tell you, I'm here to win. I'm not here to be a babysitter. I said, we're going to win. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to leave our eagles at the door. And I went on to a list, as you've heard some of my meetings. And I finally said to them, look, fella, uh, if you don't want to get on this train going north, 
said, there's the door. Man, they like they got shocked when I said, there's the door. And it took me a couple of weeks to, you know, make a realize, let's have some fun. There's enough talent here. Let's have some fun. And let's do the little things. And basically, that's what we did. So you worked on the little things, which uh, went back to not being worked on today in today's game. That's for sure. Right. And so that's right. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, embarrassing to watch these guys today. So I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of went in that direction because I was going to, uh, I was going to ask you what you think of today's game. And I know that's a broad umbrella to cover, but, um, not even about the rule changes. I'm talking about uh is creating a huge opening for a hitter and him not, in most cases, well, them not being able to take advantage of it. Well, you know, Kurt, you play for some good guys, Dick Williams and all. And you know, you get a guy in second base, nobody has, what's the idea? Move him over. If you don't move him over... I mean, hit a line drive to the shortstop and come back to the dog and say, oh, nice going, nice going, tough luck. That's bullshit, tough luck. You know, you didn't do the job. And that's the way we played. Uh, basically, was trying to teach these guys all the little things, how to win ball games. And I had so many of those guys. Who were, of all the, all the clubs I've managed through the years, this was the most unselfish club. They did things on their own. I didn't have to. I mean, I just stayed out of the way, basically, after we got the thing rolling. And, you know, Pudge Rodriguez, first and second, nobody out. Here's a guy hitting 320, good hitter. He lays down a bunt on his own. I didn't have a bunt. He bunts his own. Gets the guy second, third. Next guy gets a base hit. We win the game. Little things like that. And that's still, you know, that's the way we won. Just you don't see that today. Today it's home run. I'm glad you brought his name up, Jack, because I read something where – in your first couple of weeks of managing the club, you actually jumped on Pudge Rodriguez about something that he didn't do, which kind of created. Absolutely. I did. He, 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 all of a sudden, he, one day, and he, we were, he was, he got hurt. He got a, a hand injury or something. It was nothing serious. A couple of days out. He's ready to play. He just skip. I'm ready to play. It's fine. And I said, tomorrow night. And then, it just so happened we were beating the Atlanta Braves that night, 13 to nothing, and Pudge decided to go up and take a shower about the eighth inning. So I found out about it, and I got him in there. And next night, I talked to him, told him I was disappointed, and you ready to play tonight? He said, yes, sir. I said, no, no, you're not playing, buddy. You don't play until you sit on that bench with the rest of those 25 guys and be part of this team. And when you decide you want to do that, let me know, and we'll put you back in it. And from that day on, Kurt, he was the best leader I ever had. I mean, this guy took charge of everything. And I have tremendous respect for the guy. I love the guy. But I look back and say, with his credentials and being an outstanding all-star and so forth, no manager wanted to challenge him before. Nobody wanted to tell him. And I was interested. Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't there to... Uh, Smooth over your egos. I'm here to win. You're listening to Jack McKeon, Trader Jack, as he's well known, not only in San Diego, but uh, throughout baseball.
lives in a small town in North Carolina. That is a small town, Jack. You've been there your whole life, haven't you? Well, uh, since 1953, basically outside of the 11 years I spent in San Diego, I've been in Burlington, which is a, I live in Elon now, which is a suburb basically of, of Burlington. But uh, we've enjoyed it here. And, you know, I spent some time in San Diego, which I love. I love San Diego. I love any place I've been, really, except Oakland. I, I wasn't crazy about Oakland. We're gonna... Because I had Charlie Finley then. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I was just going to ask you, uh, your relationship with Charlie Finley up in Oakland had the makings of a Steinbrenner, Billy Martin type of relationship. Uh, and I actually yeah, told you I'm, one time that we'll get to in a minute, but tell me about your relationship with Charlie. Well, I like Charlie. I'll tell you one thing about Charlie. He made you become a good manager because you couldn't win. I mean, whatever, if you did something right, in his eyes, it was wrong. So you better have about one option, two options. You better have a half a dozen options to be able to cover yourself. But basically, the guy was, uh, he, he wanted to win. And uh, uh, every morning, I got a phone call. I swear to God, every morning. Uh, you know, and he'd drive you to drink. But, uh, you know, I learned a lot from the guy. And uh, I got along with him well. And have a, I don't have enough, you don't have enough time uh, this week for me to tell you all the stories. <laughs> but uh, uh, he was a good guy. In fact, you know, when I, uh, I was going to go back again to manage, but he was in the process of selling the club. And I, uh, he talked to me in November to one of the meetings. He said, I can't name you the manager now. If I sell the club, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, saddle a new owner with, with my man. So I said, well, in the meantime, I had a chance to go with the Montreal and I went with Joe Miguel and eventually ended up in San Diego. So speaking of San Diego, July 7, 1980, you became general manager of the San Diego Padres. Right. And right. I think I was leading the world in hitting that year uh, in 1980. Uh, I know I was hitting... Uh, 479 or something like that. I walked into Jerry Coleman's office one day and I said, Jerry, I gotta, I gotta ask you, how do you got a 190 hitter starting second, a 210 hitter starting at third? I'm hitting 480. And you're probably gonna say the same thing Jerry told me, Jack. Um, I'm hitting 480 and I, I can't get in the lineup. And he 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 told me that he needed me next to him on the bench. So that he could be in any position in the lineup. But I mentioned that date, July 7th, because on August 5th, you shipped my butt out of San Diego that year and traded me to the park. That had yeah, that had nothing to do with your ability. It was the fact <laughs> that the pirates were looking for you. And I was dealing with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh wanted to trade. For you and i was negotiating both of those clubs to get the most out of it and end up made a heck of a deal and getting you to pittsburgh we liked you it was the case of whether you, we liked you or we didn't like you it was a chance of improving our club which got salazar and, and lancelotti in the trade and 
Alabar, you know, played for a number of years with us. But uh, I knew eventually I'd get you back. <laughs> and you did. And I did. And you did, yeah. just like you did and in Kansas did. City a couple yeah. of different times. So <laughs> Right. You and you and Salazar got the record. Like you traded and brought you back a number of times. Salazar came from Pittsburgh in that deal. Yeah, that's why I got. That's why. Yeah, I, he did. So it was Lancelotti. Yeah. I, that's right. I forgot about Rick Lancelotti, folks. Dirty Kurtz dugout. You're listening to Trader Jack McKeon, along with uh, KB here. Uh, welcome to Dirty Kurtz dugout. Brought to you by Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you have any comments or questions for Jack or myself, don't be afraid to ask them. Uh, you'll see a little banner going across the screen, and uh, we will uh, we will get to those. So uh, give us a holler. Uh, there were two things that happened this year in baseball, Jack, that getting back to how the game has changed, that just drove me crazy. And especially after... Dave Roberts, who was, uh, who's the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, naturally, uh, did not start Julio Urias in a game and instead started a reliever. Uh, this guy's a 20-game winner. And the other situation I was talking about uh, that drove me nuts was the fact that um, Ian Anderson was throwing a no-hitter in a, a postseason game and got yanked out of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not only something that you wouldn't see in a postseason game, but you wouldn't have seen it in a regular season game 20 years ago. Uh, what is your opinion on Dave Roberts actually coming out and saying the Urias pulling him from the starting position that night as the pitcher came from the tippity top of the organization? You've worked in the front office well, for a long time, including recently. What is it where the front offices want to mess around with what the field well, manager is? Well, what you got today is the analytic departments are telling these people, you know, how to position players, uh, uh, how many innings this guy can pitch. Uh, uh, you can't go through the lineup three times. I mean, it's a different, different game, Kurt. Uh, you know, you try to take, take try to take uh, Drysdale or, or Koufax or uh, Gibson out of the game in, in, in the sixth inning. You, they, they they deck you on the mound, <laughs> but these guys and they're happy with it. But it all starts in the minor leagues. Look through the minor leagues and see how many guys have pitched over seven innings. Nope, rarely. Now they don't they don't know how to pitch, and and now all of a sudden it's this one inning relief stuff. Well, it's a different game. But like I said, uh, you know we're on the looking on the outside, and we're not running the clubs and not running the organizations. Is that the way they want to run it? That's fine. But uh, uh, I think the game was great. The fans come out to see uh, Sergio pitch or Urias pitch or uh, I Anderson pitch. They want to see the guy pitch. They don't want to listen to Ann Lynx. I, I'm, I'm waiting for the, you know, while they're firing all these managers, I'm waiting for the first day they fired the analytic department. Well, I think there's been a lot of changes made in the analytics department on a lot of ball clubs. I mean, the San Diego Padres just got rid of a highly touted guy that they hired a couple of years ago. I say a couple. Uh, I think it was 2018 uh, that came from 
a, uh, a blog, uh, a well-known national blog. And this guy was top of the line and I'm good with analytics. Don't, don't get me wrong. Our analytics when I played was Whitey Wiedelman. He had a book this thick and he would show you a chart, a spray chart of any hitter in the league that you wanted to see. And it was very similar to what they're doing now with computers, except naturally much more, it's more defined uh, nowadays because of everything that can be done. But there are analytics uh, department, not the entire departments, but analytics people within organizations uh, that are being replaced uh, by other analytics people. But what's the average number of analytic people that a major league ball club has working for him. I have no idea. See, we, when I was in Florida, we didn't have we didn't have analytics until after I left. And Mike, you know, the, the thing about analytics, you know, you say about well, Whitey Wheelman had this. We did that in the minor leagues. We took had a pitcher counting every pitches and, and showing where he hit the ball. So that's not too. The analytic people here coming up and telling you where to play these guys. And I mean, if you're a manager, and you and if, if you're a pitcher, I mean, how many pitchers in the big league tell the outfielders to move over here, move over there, because they're going to pitch them a certain way, and they're not ne- necessarily what the analytic guys say. I mean, there's different there's different feelings. I mean, I think there's just there's, there's some degree of analytics that help, but I think we've overblown it. I'll never forget a story in three. In Thorey, in, in 19, the year we won it, 2003, and we went in to play the Mets, and uh, Glavin's going to pitch against us. Glavin was with the Mets that year. And the owner of the club calls me that morning. He lives in New York. He says, hey, give her, he said, uh, who's catching tonight? I said, Fudge, Fudge Rodriguez. He said, don't you know that Redmond hit 800 against Glavin? I said, Jeffrey, I don't give a what if he's hitting 3,000. Pudge is going to catch. So Pudge catches. First inning, it's a three-run homer. We win the game three to nothing. <laughs> after the game, the owner after the game, the owner comes in and says, pats me in the back. He said, I'll never make another suggestion to you. <laughs> but that's analytics, right? Oh, absolutely. So it is. Not necessarily well, do they work all the time. That was an old fashioned. They, they don't work all the time. Sometimes you got to use your gut. Sometimes you got to use your head and your gut together. Well, yeah, right? the game's changed. I don't see it going back. I see uh, maybe adjustments being made uh, by front offices with, uh, because I don't think the Nationals are as analytically inclined as a lot of other major league clubs, are they? We're, we're, yeah, we got a pretty good analytic department, but I I don't think they go overboard. I mean, once again, you can tell Tony La Russa, I mean, he's, he, he's into analytics to a degree, but he's going to work from his head and heart and, and making decisions. You're not going to get, you're going to see, I'll tell you, Kurt, I may not be living by then. You're going to see in five or seven years now, they're going to revert back to the old way of playing the game. And, and you're going to get some veteran managers in here instead of these 
three peat suit guys from Harvard and Dartmouth and never managed before in their life. And I mean, you know, you look about, I've been in the game now 75 years or 72 years, somewhere around that. And I had to work, and you know, when I was managing in the minor leagues, my dream was to make, to, to, to work hard and get to the big leagues. You don't have to do that today. You could jump out the radio booth there and, and manage today if you, if you could, you could sell, sell yourself to somebody. One thing, about managing, one, one thing about managing all the years that I've been in, you know, I got 17 years in the big leagues, 16 years in the big leagues, 17 years in the minor leagues. That's 33 years managing. I made all the mistakes, so I can tell you about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about analytics. I made them all. So that's good experience. Well, folks, you heard that here on Dirty Kurtz Dugout. Jack McKeon said it might revert back in five to seven years. And and I'm going to have to uh, contradict you. You're not going to be around. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> You're going to be around. Well, I didn't say I, I said if. I said if. Yeah. How do you so know? The, oh, so I'm the right, Padres, huh? the Padres <laughs> and I don't know if you've, saw, you've seen this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have. Just hired a 27-year-old hitting coach. <laughs> That has absolutely out of college. <laughs> no major league experience at all. He he has none. That's, hey, you're seeing that with the pitching coaches in in, in some of these uh, different leagues in the American leagues. There's a couple of pitching coaches out of, out of, out of academies and uh, colleges. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. We sit here scratching have, our heads. I think you don't we're have old to, school, Jack. Well, like I said, it'll all come back. You'll find out. You'll see some of these guys being bounced out. If you don't win, they're going to be gone. I mean, that's, that's like trying to get uh, – even when I was in San Diego and running an organization, I tried to get my top major league guys managing in these clubs, Jack Kroll and Harry Dunlap, guys like that, managed – in the minor leagues to teach these guys what it is to play in the big leagues. Now, can you imagine <clears throat> taking a college coach and sticking them in somewhere and these major league players say, hey, the hell do you know about this game? What do you play? What are you doing? That's why I never could be a hitting coach, see? Because I would never, because when you hit 189, 190, you know, I used, used to have cards made out, have glove, we'll travel. Well, it's uh, couldn't hit my way. Couldn't hit my way of a paper bag. So you didn't need to. It didn't need to. You're in the Padres Hall of Fame. <laughs> You're probably going to be in a couple other halls. I know. Before. It's well, I'm over. proud of that. That was fun. You, you know I, what? We I love that. my. Where's that picture, guys? Um, do you have that? Do you have that shot of Jack and I? That oh. Yeah, let me ask you about this, Jack, and then I'll show you the shot of you and I uh, when you were inducted into the Padres Hall of Fame. Here you're arguing with Jerry Lane. You're getting between him and Tony Gwynn, which is up, up, who was upset on the call. How come you never got between me and the umpire? Because you didn't care if I got kicked out of the game. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you got kicked out so I didn't have to use you. <laughs> Oh, well, you didn't want to lose Tony Gwynn in this picture. Sandy, Santos Alomar is uh, also trying to hold Tony back. 
Tony didn't get upset very often, but when he did, uh, he got pretty upset. Yeah, he was a great guy, great guy, great teammate. Oh, he was. That was that was some of the good old days, you know. When you know we 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 took that club over, and no one expected us to win or do anything, and all of a sudden, you know, we win the first championship for the or for the first time we get to the World Series in '84, and then. From then on, from then on, the club started to play pretty good. It did. I think they've developed a pretty good rivalry here in uh, here in San Diego with the Los Angeles Dodgers, a little north of here. Um, I don't know if it's. Uh, no, no, that we we woke up that city. I mean, we they made it a baseball city for a few years. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, next time you come back. Uh, we have to get you set up on the video be- so that people can see. I want to see yeah, you too. Yeah. But let's do. Uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm in good shape. I'm good shape. I do my treadmill every day. And I used to work out the Y and the health club. But, you know, with the pandemic, I, I kind of just do, do it myself at the house here. And I still work, work out every day. And, you, know, you know, trying to. See if I can't. See, I, see somebody calls. <laughs> I'll be ready. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be. Are you going to go to spring training? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm down there every year. I stay there for the whole spring training. It's funny. You can't see it. This is one of the reasons I want to get you on video. Uh, you can't see it, but I'm pointing right now behind me at two seats from Qualcomm Stadium of the two people that stood up and put their hands on the home run ball I hit in the 84 World Series, that was their seat in other mine. And they're in they're in my office here. So I have the two seats from San Diego Qualcomm Stadium uh of the night I right, hit you've got to keep something you gotta yeah, keep exactly. something to remind you you know yourself that, that you that you hit a home run you might you know at least yeah, people I'm, go back and say I hit I finally hit one. Yeah, I'm fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. That was fun. That was fun <laughs> stuff. So next time, hey, Jack, uh, next time got to be video. You, you, you promise? Yeah, I would do it. But hey, Kurt, you were you were you were a very good asset to that winning that championship ball club because you kept everybody loose, including Dick Williams, and that yeah. was. That was something special. <laughs> yeah, that but we was, had a lot of fun. You know what? Um, looking back on Dick, um, you know he could have he could be a jerk at times, but you know he was a hell of a manager. When you really think yeah, about good yeah. the moves that he made and the things that he did and what he did at certain times, when when he first did him, you might have been upset. And then if you were man enough to sit back and think about it, uh, boy, he had a method to his madness, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And it was, it, he was, his, you know, he was, a, he, he didn't say much. He just was all man action. Yes, he was. But he was all right. I got along with him. I got along with him great. But some people think that we had a really, you know, he wrote a book and, you know, he criticized me a little bit, but that wasn't true. But then we became real good friends before he died. And 
and uh, you know, very. They didn't. We didn't bury the hatchet. I never had any problem. Now I learned to Good respect guy. him after a while. Uh, you know, I. Yeah. It probably had a lot to do with him believing in in my abilities, also. So I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you coming on the show, well, and uh, let's do it again soon. And, and next time we're going to make the video. Uh, have you all set up? Okay. On let, let, let me. Let me know ahead of time so I get one of my sons or grandsons over here to work this uh, Zoom or video or whatever you got. I, I'm not into that stuff, they, that television stuff today. I mean the computer, <laughs> Zoom. Yeah. Go back to the old days, you know, hey. Yeah. But anyway, it's a joy, I enjoyed being with you. Uh, give my best to the great fans of San Diego. I love them. I still love them. And, uh, and I root for them all the time and follow them. Wish them the best. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate it. Uh, you have yourself a great okay, holiday brother. season. And uh, please say hello to the family for me, all of them. I know you had I, I, uh, 27 I do, people I at your Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you, Jack. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Right on. Thank you. So Jack McKeon had, as I just said, 27 members of his family. I didn't ask him to break it down and tell me how many were grandkids or great grandkids, but I know he's got a big family. I really do. Uh, Greg Booker, who was one of my former teammates, but Tony Gwynn's best friend, uh, tragically passed away uh, a year and a half or so ago um, after uh, uh, being stricken down with cancer, um, was married to uh, one of Jack's daughters, Christy. And uh, they live right next door to Jack. So he's got a guy on the team that is living next door with his daughter. I don't know if they lived next door at that time, but it's a good story. And uh, I always found it kind of comical that uh, – that book was married to Christie because uh, uh, book just couldn't do the things uh, that a lot of uh, us did. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking to you. It's not going out on your wife or anything like that. I was talking about like playing cards. Uh, if we were playing cards in the back of the plane and uh, every once in a while, Jack would always sit in the front of the plane along with the manager and coaches and all of that stuff. And all the players, especially the troublemakers, would sit way in the back. We, we sat kind of midway because we, we broke down the seats to where we could turn them around and we could sit a certain way to where uh, six or seven of us could play cards. And Book was one of those guys that loved to play cards. But he had to be careful because of Jack. And it... You know, Jack probably didn't care, but Book didn't want him saying something to Christy because she didn't want him gambling either. So it, it was it was comical because uh, Book would be trying to look at his cards and playing the hand, and at the same time looking up to make sure Jack's not going to move. And as soon as he stood up, Book would jump over to the other side of the aisle and uh, and act like he wasn't playing. Uh, God rest his soul. Uh, he was a great guy. And like I said, uh, Tony Gwynn's best friend. 
I mean, those guys hung out in minor leagues. Uh, Book knew Tony uh, like the back of his hand. And uh, it, it was a great relationship that, uh, that those guys uh, had. All right, on to what's going on in baseball right now. And I told you um, that were, there were things that I wanted you to keep fresh in your mind. Uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us today, by the way, um, over the winter, because of what was going on with the collective bargaining agreement and the fact that it expires uh, at 11.59 on December 1st. And the quote that we heard from our commissioner uh, about a week ago, uh, saying that time's becoming an issue. You think so? Uh, and the thing that really hit home was that, uh, and I quote, I don't think 94 worked out too great for anybody. That was our commissioner of baseball's quote. There wasn't a need to be reminded about 94. What he needed to do was remind people of all the labor peace that there has been since things were settled. Because we all know about the catastrophe of 1994. The World Series was lost the latter part of the season, the World Series, and a few days into 1995. We all know how bad that was. We didn't need the commissioner of baseball to get on his high horse and remind everybody that 94 didn't work out for anybody. Or in other words, hey, you fans, start taking sides here because these guys are making plenty of money. And speaking of plenty of money, what is your thoughts on the money that's being thrown around to free agents right now? We don't even have a collective bargaining agreement in place. We don't know what the ceiling is gonna be on what clubs can spend without having to pay fines. We don't know how many roster spots are going to be negotiated in to the new CBA. Are they going to add a man onto a major league roster? Are they going to make it 27 and 20 instead of 26? How is all of that stuff going to work? You know, I told you to keep in mind things like the ball deflection going over the fence, things that they could easily do something with and they're ignoring them because of all the other stuff that they're throwing out there. And I'm not saying it's not important, but it, it's amazing to me the amount of money that's being thrown out in the free agent market right now. I mean, it was just announced yesterday, and I think the deal's done, that Max Scherzer signed with the Mets for $130 million. You know what? That's a crazy contract. You know, going back a few years when A-Rod signed his 
$250 million contract. That wasn't squat compared to this one. 120 million for three years. And the guy's 37 years old. And the last time we heard anything from him, he had a tired arm. Because of the way he was being used by the analytic guys in LA. It's probably one of the reasons he didn't go back there. I don't know. Has anybody signed in the last minute, Joe? Producer Joe. I know he's on it when it comes to stuff like that. Has there any been, been any signings that I've missed? Well, yep, pretty big one today. Uh, former Dodger shortstop Corey Seager signs with the Rangers. Ten years, $325 million. Rangers. Who had that on our bingo card? You know what, I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, you can quote me on it, too. Last July, I said there was something wrong with the San Diego Padre Ball Club, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was. Now, since that time, we found out that there were a multitude of things wrong with the San Diego Padre Ball Club. The thing that I couldn't put my finger on was the clubhouse disarray. I did not realize that there were issues within the clubhouse. Recently, Fernando Tatis Sr. comes out and starts pointing a finger at a departed coach. Now, I completely lost respect for him when he did this because it was really a low blow. Uh, Dickerson's a great major league coach. I can see you taking sides with your son if, in fact, a confrontation happened as it was said, except I think Dickerson was a fall guy here because I think he just jumped in when Tatis started acting like a baby going back to the dugout, and that's when Machado jumped in also. So Tatis Sr. here, and just to get off the subject of Corey Seager for a minute, because I, I definitely want to get back to this deal. Are you kidding me with Tatis Sr. coming out and blaming a coach that since departed for the episode that happened on the bench last year between Manny Machado and Tatis Jr.? There was one person to blame for that. And that was, well, it's Tatis Jr. But I was trying to figure out an adjective to use and I couldn't. So I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use one. But he's he's the guy to blame. Joe, let's talk about this Corey Seager contract for a minute. 10 yep. years, $325 million, Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are spending some money like they struck oil. Yeah, um, and I don't think they're done. I think they uh, – sounds like they got some other ones lined up. Um, they're going to shore up that left side of the infield. Uh, Chris Bryant, is he going to go to Texas? 
nothing's going to surprise me at this stage of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. all I know is that uh, I look at this Padre ball club, and I tell you what, I would roll the dice with who they have lined up for potential starters with this ball club, and then add a few of the pieces that are already in place uh, out of the bullpen with San Diego, but they need a guy to replace Melanson, which they might have already, but they need to have a number four hitter on this ball club or else they're going to have trouble winning the division. They really are as highly touted as they are. They're not going to be able to win the National League West unless they get a number four hitter to hit behind Tatis and Machado. Well, some guy named Freddie Freeman is available. Good luck. Yep. I mean, you know, you've got an obstacle there, and we all know who yeah. it is, and it's Eric Hosmer. Um, Eric Hosmer, as in my mind, uh, played his way right out of San Diego this last year with the whining and complaining that came down after – uh, the trading deadline came about and it was rumored that he was going to get traded. We just traded a guy, Adam Frazier to the Seattle Mariners and picked up a couple of kids. Uh, we'll talk about that on an upcoming show, but this is a guy that I felt sorry for. And I felt sorry for him because I'd been in his shoes before he got acquired by a club that didn't have any intentions of at all of using him. I think Eric Hosmer was going to get traded or be involved in a deal so that the Padres could acquire Max Scherzer. And then the Dodgers saw what was happening and they went nuts and went out and gave all that money to Scherzer, trade Turner. They've got Turner for another year, but we're going to see if Turner stays in LA. Now Corey Seager's gone. I tell you what, that's a major part of their lineup that's gone and not knowing what Cody Bellinger, whether or not he's going to come back or not. Uh, I, I don't think the Dodgers are in real good shape, which puts the Padres in a lot better light uh, than they were in a couple of weeks ago. So if I'm the Padres, I'm happy, aren't you? Absolutely. And uh, Dodgers uh, starting rotation is, is taking a hit, too. Well, I didn't, I don't even know if I expected Scherzer to go back and it didn't have anything to do with the way he was used uh, in the playoffs and, and on into the playoffs, but you just don't know when a guy, you know, it's like, uh, it's like anybody, it's like Kershaw. Although I think Kershaw's got much more of a chance to go back to the Dodgers than Max Scherzer did. I mean, he was only on loan there for two and a half months. Uh, he's going to go to the highest bidder. And boy, that became the New York Mets. And they're spending some money also. So that's another team to keep an eye on. Uh, the Texas Rangers in the American League are going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, not What's going to happen to Carlos Correa? Did, did you say Carlos Correa? What he said about Derek Jeter? Likely. That's amazing to me. I mean, it, it, it really is. It seemed like his comment 
turned everybody off. What What's your say on that, Joe? Uh, I'm with you on that. I think he, uh, I think he uh, crapped the bed, as you say. Um, not smart. Incidentally, if you haven't heard, I'm having a little bit of a, a coughing attack here. Um, you choked up with all this stuff going on in baseball. No kidding. If you haven't heard, and Carlos Correa came out and said that Derek Jeter. Now, this is on a Latin podcast. A couple of things have come out on Latin podcast that uh, have made people sit up and take notice. One of them was the Korea um, incident where he came out and said that Derek Jeter didn't deserve to win any of the gold gloves that he won. And I <laughs> believe it was four. Didn't deserve to win any of them. I'm not even going to get into that argument because it's none of my business. He won the gold gloves. He deserves them. If you win it, you deserved it. Uh, it's kind of like the uh, American League uh, MVP award this year. The kid up in Anaheim, if he won it, he deserves it. Did I agree? Uh-uh. No, especially with unanimous. Never believed about that. So, and the other thing was to T Sr. So that was another Spanish-speaking podcast. And these guys, they might feel, I guarantee you, if they were speaking English, which both of them can, by the way, they would have never came out and said those things the way they said them. I think they think they're, they feel a little freer speaking in their native tongue, which is only natural for a lot of people. Uh, but you got to watch what you say in any language. So here is a guy that's supposed to be the number one target for teams. Uh, the most valuable free agent player available at the beginning of the offseason, which wasn't very long ago, by the way. Now there's hardly anybody talking about him. And then you've got to T Sr. Uh, saying what he said. Uh, and I, I just don't know why he did that. I, I, I really don't. Uh, but let, let's keep an eye on these signings because, trust me, today's the uh, 29th. Uh, these signings are going to stop here real quick because there's going to be a freeze on free agents when this basic agreement, it's not going to get done in the next day and a half. It's not going to happen. So there's going to be a freeze. There'll be a lockout by the owners. And everything that we expected to happen months and months and months ago, unless these guys got their act together, is going to happen. And why they don't get it together sooner is beyond me. Why do you speak in April and then not speak again until October in the year that the basic agreement expires? It, this has been going on for a long time, folks. So 
when I throw up my hands with it, it's for good reason. It's crazy. And it's always been that way. It always will be that way. But we've got to keep our eye out for these signings, Joe, because in the next day or so, if I'm not saying that free agents aren't going to sign after this agreement it's made, because certainly they're going to. But I tell you what, if I'm Carlos Correa right now, I'm not feeling real good about myself or the potential of the kind of money that I could be making in the coming years. You know, I see Corey Seager sign for a three, It's crazy stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking, I think the Astros were quoted on air by representation of Carlos Correa on a national broadcast. And I think it was a mistake, but it was done that he's looking for $400 million. I think it basically closed the door on the Astros, even think that they could sign him, even though they did offer him a contract for about 150 million bucks. It just wasn't going to work. He's going to go out and see what he's worth. But you know what? With everything that's going on with the freeze, the non-CBA contractual signing, at least for right now, this is really going to hurt some of these guys that are still on the free agent market that are holding firm to numbers. Corey Seager and his agents were smart and went out and took the money. I mean, $325 million, it's hard to turn it down. Max Scherzer. I mean, how do you even pay a 38-year-old pitcher $40 million a year it, that still doesn't pitch 200 innings is beyond me. I mean, it's crazy. Sounds like the Dodgers and Kevin Brown years back. It's, it's just nuts. It really is. Yeah. And for A.J. Preller and the Padre organization to sit back and, and just watch this thing and see what unfolds, I'm, I'm good with what they're doing right now because yeah. I, I can't upset the, uh, the organization for what one or two guys might want. And uh, I, I think they're going to do well, uh, but it's going to take a little time and we're going to have to be patient. So we're going to see uh, what happens. I'm actually going to be traveling next week and I'm going to, uh, but we're going to try to have a show for you. I got to figure out how. So uh, I need to talk to you, Joe and, and Alan about that. And uh, if I got to pack up my stuff and bring it with me, uh, because I'm going to be uh, gone from San Diego until uh, the ninth. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, a road game. It'll be a road dugout. So uh, I, I appreciate everybody listening and watching uh, the uh, number 12 episode of Dirty Critch Dugout. Uh, thank our sponsor, Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, uh, 700 North Johnson. If you want to know the address, uh, drop out there anytime. Uh, Cindy and Tony uh, welcome you with open arms. Tell them Kurt sent you. And uh, I also want to thank... Uh, Davies Eye Center and uh, Lasima Oil Company. And uh, remember, 
One of the things, uh, let me have my little prop. Where is it? Oh, here it is. Remember what I said uh, in the onset of the show. Something that we you heard or saw on today's broadcast. Uh, we're going to ask later on in December. And we're going to give away one of these $100 gift cards uh, every month. For did you see or hear that segment on Dirty Kirk's Dugout? So I want to thank the good folks at Chevron and Lasima Oil for that. Uh, I want to thank you all for watching. Thank you, Joe, producer Joe, and Alan, our technical guru, uh, for making this all happen. And uh, let's keep our eye on Mr. Manfred and Mr. Tony Clark and see if they're doing their job. Uh, hopefully, uh, they are, because uh, we don't want to see any postponement of the 2022 baseball season. I'm looking forward to it. As I know you are, I want to thank Jack McKeon for being my guest today, our guest today. Uh, and next time you're going to see Jack, I promise. Um, Jack had no idea about how to download the link. And, and he, he didn't have anybody to help him out. <laughs> I told him, I warned him too. <laughs> but that's Jack. You gotta love him. Trader Jack McKeon. Until next time, thanks folks for listening. And this is Kurt Bavakwa saying, we'll see you next time. In Dirty Kurt's Dugout.